passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. How's it going? And welcome to Call It What You Want. I'm your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player, Jimmy Conrad, alongside our resident head coach, Jesse Marsh, and our goal scorer extraordinary, even though he hasn't hit the back of the net in quite some time, Charlie Chuckwagon Davies. And we have some fun things to discuss today, like Daryl DK's triumphant return from a significant injury. Which overage players we want to see in the Olympics? Every country is allowed three overage players each. The lure of Liga MA Keys. We have some players that were in MLS that might be going down to Mexico. Our thoughts on the January camp roster and so much more unless we run out of time. But first, we know that the beautiful game is known by many names around the world. I'm talking football, calcio, soccer, ball. So as we do to start off every show, we're going to play a little game. I'm going to be the host, and Jesse and Charlie, you are the contestants, so please buzz in, you two, if you think you have the right answer. And one of those names, this is the language, where do you think it's from? The word is Nogomet. Nogomet. And we know that Chuck's been cheating the last two, yeah, two shows. Chuck so so <laughs> he's got he's, he's got, got his team right time. now Googling Nogomets. <laughs> right? To, he's getting in his ear all the possible he's got, possibilities. He's got somebody behind the camera with a with a card up going, oh Nogomet is from Nogomet. All right, I'm gonna go. This is a Balkan word. And I'm mm. gonna I'm gonna go Serbian. Nogomets. The Serbians love the game of Nogomet. <laughs> I'm also okay. gonna I'm also gonna go Slavic. Uh, Bosnia. Okay, okay. I, I like where you guys are headed. Well, give me the first clue. Neither one of you got it exactly. Okay. First clue. Th- this country's national team is currently ranked 54th in the world. 
The second clue, this national team has qualified for two World Cups, but failed to get past the group stage in either of them. World Cups were 2002 and 2010. Okay, I think I got it. Go for it. Slovenia. He got it, Jesse Marsh, everybody. He did it. Oh, eat that, Chuck. See, I was feeling, I was feeling the, the <laughs> Balkans, I was feeling. Yeah. Oh, got some help oh, from somebody. God. That was too yeah, exactly. I think I'm 132nd Slovenian as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. This was an important win for me, Charlie. It's a this big was one. a really it important was. win for I, I, me. I felt pretty good about Bosnia, too. You guys oh. are close. You guys yeah. are close. It was yeah. Slovenian. Uh, it was not Botswana. Botswana. Not been used the last two shows, okay. uh, but had been used previously <laughs> every single show. So so maybe one day we'll slip in Botswana to really throw you guys off. Okay. All right, let's talk a little January roster. I want to get your guys' reactions to what we saw, notable inclusions, notable exclusions. Chuck, I'm going to come to you first. I mean, who are you excited to see come into this camp, even though there are a ton of newbies here? And I guess in some ways, because Marko Mitrovic, the U23 coach, is also a part of the coaching staff for this January camp, He's going to be evaluating some players as he starts to put his roster together for the Summer Olympics in Paris in 2024. Or it is 2024. Jeez. What do you got for us? So inclusion. Well, first, can we, like? can we all come to an agreement that this is a, a U23 camp and not a typical January camp that's a full national team camp? I know it's the full team, but this is geared towards Olympics. This is not geared towards Nations League. This is not geared towards Copa America. Because, you know, in some instances there's a possibility of bringing in MLS players that have had incredible seasons that just maybe aren't there yet or haven't played at the international stage where they get to impress Greg Berhalter and say, Hey, maybe you should, I am ready to, to contribute to a nation's league roster or to a Copa America. And I just want to show you that I'm ready to take that next step. This is more unproven for the most part potential. And that some of these younger players are trying to make a case for the Olympics. That That's what this camp is for me. Because um, you see a, a number of these players don't have the credentials, in, in my opinion, to make a, a real first-team national team camp. However, uh, given this is the, the, the national team uh, for January, I'll say Miles Robinson and Dewan Jones. Those are the two players um, who have had a lot of success in MLS, both uh, as a team and, and individually, like as a collective unit. And so they've proven that they can play with the first team. They have to basically show the a lot of these younger players how to conduct themselves, the level uh, that is needed to train every single day, set the tone, set the standard. Um, so I'm excited for those two in particular because I know both have ambitions to play in Europe. I, I, I've spoken to both. They both want to play in Europe at some point in their career. Is this um, wait? Did you say Miles Robinson? Yes, he 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 signed a short term contract with Cincinnati. It, nothing how, was like how short? Oh, how here's short? five years. It's a one year with a one year option. Hmm. It, okay, it, it was it was you know okay. January is a very tough window to move, especially as a defender to pl to go to the English Premier League, which is where he wants to play eventually. So, go to the best team in MLS, in his opinion, and. You know they're they're putting together quite a group. They have an identity. They they need a center back. So uh, as long as he That's, can stay uh, healthy, um, I think it's a great move for him in terms of if you're going to stay in MLS. And Dewan Jones again, it's a, another player who who has aspirations to play in Europe. And, and I know a number of Bundesliga clubs were, were interested in him. Very very Kevin Durant 
of Miles Robinson to go to the best team in MLS and try to win a trophy and then bounce. <laughs> I, hey, I, don't, I, don't, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Hey, they're, they're trying to get an MLS cup. <laughs> yeah, no, every, everybody wins there. Well, we'll see if they end up winning on the field. But yeah, I, I think, well, at least I can agree with you. I want to hear from Jesse as well that this is clearly a camp that's being designated and, and more emphasis on the U23s and into that unproven talent in some ways. Not that it's unproven. Clearly, they have done enough to warrant this consideration into camp. But can they play at a level with with the full national team coaching staff watching them, and obviously with a game against Slovenia as well uh, on the twentieth? Uh, Jesse, any any surprise inc- inclusions for you in this twenty five man roster? Yeah, I mean, f- listen from my perspective, it's I don't know every single player, right? Some of these young guys are on MLS rosters, and I don't get to watch MLS every week. Um, I had to go and Google some names just to like familiarize myself with exactly. Jesse, I think I think like some of who? them were born after you retired. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. And and you know, I'm I'm six years removed from the league, so a lot of these guys, I may have worked with them a long time ago with the U14s or U15s youth national teams, but even then, I think they're too young. So, but I'm excited to see what the camp looks like, and and then ultimately what the game will look like. I think the Slovenian roster will also be really light on big names, but, but has potential to be a good matchup of two young teams going at each other. Um, yeah. I mean the, you know, I know Tolkien and I know Brian White. So obviously uh, Brian was a guy that was young when I was at the New York Red Bulls and someone who was from the New Jersey area and we really liked and thought had big potential. And obviously he's had a really good season with the Vancouver Whitecaps. John Tolkien is a big personality. I think an important young player to be evaluating because as a left back, we don't have a plethora of young backs that we can play at that at that position. That's a little three amigos reference there for you guys. A, a, a plethora jefe. All right. And then um, Roman uh, Celentano, right? I, I think we don't always talk about goalkeepers here, you know, because none of us are goalkeepers. Um, and I thought about, it. we represent, you know, we have a backline representative, a midfield representative and a striker representative. And so maybe we need to have a guest on the show once in a while. That's a goal. Crazy man. You never know yeah. what comes out of there. Yeah, that's true. But that, that could, that could be entertaining as well, Jimmy. Uh, so anyways, um, but I think he's a, a high potential young goalkeeper who is establishing himself with, uh, with Cincinnati. Um, I think that, that he's a guy that you could potentially seeing not just on the Olympic team, but establishing himself in the future with the, with the first team. So I think this is his first chance to be in a national team camp. And, and I think he'll, he'll show well. Okay. I, I like the Brian White shout in particular. He's 27 years old, coming off 20 goals and five assists for the Vancouver Whitecaps in all competitions this season. And really as a 27 year old, that was the first time I got called into a camp. And 18 months after I got called into that camp, my first ever camp, I was playing in the World Cup. So there's a huge opportunity. And I know this camp is a little bit different than before, but to be around the coaching staff and to show that you might have a little something that could add to the bigger group is what I set out to do. I kept my goals manageable and and still within reach and just tried to be a little bit better than the people I was competing against. And and being, I want to be that, like, for, for if I'm looking at this, I'm walking into this camp. What I would think about as a player is I need to be or I want to be one of the best players here. I need to make sure that I am the the creme de la creme of these 25 players so that I can potentially get a chance into the next group and then continue to just take step by step. I'm sure they're all well, we'll see how they're all approaching it. But that's I think was the best way for me to manage that. And Brian White's an interesting one for him. I'm pulling for him because he's got that late bloomer tag, which I have. And uh, I parlayed that into some fun experiences and, and some big games. 
So, so that would be my surprise inclusion. I was excited uh, for, for Brian White in particular. Now let's get to exclusion. Chuck, I'm coming back to you. Any big surprises of players that were left off the list? You have a couple to pick from. Jesus Ferreira, Jordan Morris, Brandon Vasquez. Uh, anybody else that stands out for you? No, I, I am surprised that Jesus Ferreira is not on this roster. Um, just given that he's been one of the players that Greg has admired um, throughout his tenure and just in terms of giving opportunities, calling him up, uh, he he's gotten a considerable amount of caps. He was a part of a main part of the world cup qualifying team. So uh, for him to not be in this camp, um, I'm, I'm a little bit shocked. So I don't know if there's an, any other details about him not being included is, is there a potential transfer? Is he injured? Um, but if he's hundred percent healthy, uh, that, that for me is a, a glaring uh, exclusion. Yeah, that's uh, I I I feel like there's more to it. I mean, Walker Zimmerman is another notable exclusion, but he's coming off an Achilles injury that had been bothering him throughout the season. There always seems to be a little bit of a note. Brandon Vasquez looking to finalize his deal to go down to Mexico with Monterey. So there's all these little things, but I haven't really heard anything from Ferreira's perspective. Jesse, how about you? Any any name that you thought should be in there that wasn't? Yeah, I think you guys named some of them. Uh, I would also include Aaron Long. Not sure. Mm-hmm. What's happening with him, but I think obviously he's 31 and getting a little bit older, but potential for him to be part of this group. And we'll talk later about the Olympic team, but I, but I think there's some connections that you could make there. So, um, yeah, but, uh, you know, it, it does seem to be a really young group. Uh, so, you know, and, and with the eye on the Olympics, I think, you know, it makes sense that, that some of the older guys that we would normally see in a January camp or expect to see in a January camp aren't there this time. You can throw in yeah. Roldan as well, right? Roldan and Morris. Yeah, yeah that's Seattle yep. crew. Yeah, I would, I'm going to throw in Jalen Neal, who was hurt with the Galaxy the second half of the season in MLS, from what I understand, is a hernia surgery. I would expect him to be back by now since it happened in July, August, September area, and he's not. And I feel like he's got some tremendous upside. So what him, about your guy, of- Josh? <laughs> Josh Winder. Josh Winder, listen. I, I I listen, I was hoping he would be in, but he's not because he completely disappeared when he went to Benfica. So I don't know. I don't know. I was hopeful he would be in just to see where he is, get a temperature of how things are going for him, bring him into the group, maybe get his uh energy up and his, you know, because sometimes a little bit of that confidence needs to come from someplace, uh, especially if you're by yourself somewhere in a club and it's not going well for you. But uh yeah, no Josh Winder. At the moment, but Jalen Neal, I thought was a, a bit of a surprise, mainly mainly from I just thought he'd be recovered from his injury at this point. But probably a conversation happening with the Galaxy as to where he is, and if he's not 100, it's not worth risking him. But he was part of the January camp in 2023, and I thought he did well, and and I want to see more of Jalen Neal moving forward. All right, guys. So, what do you have in terms of your expectations for the Slovenia game? Because I don't know if we should have any. To your point, Chuck, about what we should be looking for. This is one of those things. And and Jesse, I'll come to you first on this as a coach. You're throwing a whole bunch of guys together that haven't played together ever, maybe at bits and pieces uh, at different times, a youth national team or full national team. And then you have a whole bunch of players that are coming in and representing their country for the first time. And that's just going to be a huge range of emotion. and, And how do you harness that? And as a fan, how should we be evaluating this game? What should we be looking for as to who had success and who played well and and, and who potentially didn't? Well, I, we always liked the January camp because it was a chance to actually coach the team. 
You know, a lot of the transfer windows, they're 10 days long. You have two games mixed in there and players are traveling from Europe or they have just had matches on the weekend and they're recovering. So the ability to actually teach and run training sessions isn't always at, at the highest level and isn't always the easiest thing to do. So in January camp, you can actually spend time to go through some methodologies, to talk about some of the tactics that you want to achieve, and then to test some of the players to see how, how quickly they can learn and fit into the system that you're trying to create. And that'll be one of the questions too is, okay, so Greg's running the camp, but Marco will also be there. Is Marco totally aligned with Greg on the football that he wants to play? Is he a little bit different? Are they mandating from U.S. soccer that all teams have to play the same now, which generally I think is a good thing to have some sort of philosophy around the, the, the kind of football you're trying to play. So, yeah, and, I, and then I think, you know, obviously as a coach, you'll be looking to see can the players adapt to the system and how well can they execute the plan and the tactical idea of the way you want to play. And then I think as, a, as also as a coach, but as a fan, you'll be looking for which players catch your eye, which players can show that, that they can fit in, that they have a little bit of talent, that they, that they can um, really now uh, present themselves in a way to, 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 to let everybody know, hey, I'm ready for some bigger challenges. You know, and we, we talked about this before. Sasha Kleschen in a January camp scored a hat trick against Sweden. You could go down the list for different players that were able to establish themselves in the January camps and then now launch their national team career. So, I mean, I, I look at it from a, when you're on the inside, it's a real opportunity to, to try to build something with some new players. And then the question is, they're all so new, they quickly have to adapt, and what will that look like? It has potential to be a jumbled mess, but Slovenia could look the same. So it, it'll, it'll, it'll be a good test to see how can Greg communicate what he wants from his team, and then how can the players uh, digest it and then produce what they want at their best in the game. No, I love that. I think what I would add to it is in-game management. I, I want to see players that know when to speed it up, when to slow it down, when they can find numerical advantages. Can they take advantage of those advantages? And these little intricacies and subtleties and nuances of the game that, that not to say to the untrained eye, but, but what we're looking for, probably more of the details since the out and out, who can whip in a good cross. Again, important. Who can score? Again, important. But how are we creating those chances and can we do it consistently? I think the players that we want to continue to push along and identify and move up to the full national team are the players that can make good soccer decisions consistently. Chuck, what should we be looking for from your perspective? Again, um, I know there's a lot of individual quality coming into this camp for the, from the youth perspective in the midfield. Um, Josh Atencio played a good amount of minutes for Seattle Sounders. He looked good. Um, Jack McGlynn, again, with the, the union. Diego Luna, who I was excited to see on the roster, I think he deserved to get on this roster. And, and a player that I'm, I'm interested to see how he's incorporated. Is he a 10? Is he an inverted, inverted winger? Um, cause he has a, a different type of skill set than, than a lot of players in this pool. Uh, and then uh, I think one of the players that I'm really intrigued about is Bernard Camungo from FC Dallas. Cause he's got the pace and th that's something that is, th there's not a lot of it within the U S men's national team in terms of the, the full roster lightning pace. Uh, Timothy way has that pace. And I think Camungo is, is just on the same, same level as as Tim Weah so he's he's got that burst that excitement about his game I think he needs a little bit uh, more needs to find the composure in the right moments and the, and the the final ball the final shot but that's a player that I'm really intrigued about in terms of like a project he's 22 years old and I think he has a high ceiling um, 
But again, I think what we want to see in this this camp is some ideas, um, some creativity, because the midfield, they have a lot of talented young players. Now you're playing on the international stage against another nation that's going to play a lot of young players. We should be beating them. We're, mm-hmm. you know, we're playing on home soil, so the expectation is to win and to have some good moments throughout the game. Now, I don't think anyone's expecting this to be clean. It's not going to be a, a clean match per se, but I'm hoping for those those moments here and there that throughout the camp they've been able to work on some ideas, how they want to build out of the back, how they want to play, combine, and, and create some dangerous chances. And that's typically what you get out of January camp. It, it's It's mostly for individuals within this camp to shine, to show that, hey, I'm ready for the Olympic camp, uh, to be a part of that setup. And maybe you see Greg Berhalter sees something in one of these players to say, maybe maybe they're ready for a call-up in the Nations League camp or for Copa America if they continue to progress. I'll give them some instruction. They go back to their club preseason, the, the regular season. If they continue to, to show, then, then maybe that warrants a call-up. Sinker Jimmy, let me. Time. Hey, Jimmy, let, can I add Sinker one thing? Sorry, time. Go ahead, Sorry, Jesse. That's the, you know Charlie brings up about Kamungo with with the pace, and that was something with the national team that we were always asking ourselves: is all right, maybe we bring in some players that are raw, right? That aren't ready to play technically and tactically at this level, but they have some kind of physical quality that has potential to to live up to the standard of what the best games at the international level are. And so, you know, sometimes you take risks on some of these players to bring into camp and it just, they're nowhere near. And sometimes they catch your eye, like Charlie's saying, a little bit where you say, hey, it'd be now good to see him in with the first group and put him into a real match, even if it's only for 15, 20 minutes, and just to see what it looks like and give him the chance to show that 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 he can manage the, the game at that level. So I think those are some good comments, Charlie. Really good. Thank you. Look at, look at Coach yeah, Charlie right over here getting right some uh, compliments right from Coach Finally. Justy. You absolutely. Finally. <laughs> Finally. Yes. I don't know how many shows. <laughs> yes. All right. We're going to take our first break and call what you want. When we come back, we're going to talk about our overage players, who we want to see. Join the U23s at the Olympics in Paris, so don't go anywhere. Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now along with their Sunday performance jogger pants so I can be business on top when I'm on camera but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase – so go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Welcome back to Call What You Want. I'm Jimmy alongside Charlie and Jesse, and we're going to get into it about the 2024 Olympics that are happening in Paris. The U.S. has finally qualified for the first time, and I feel like forever. And yeah, 2008. Uh, <laughs> since 2008, when Chuck was still playing and representing us at the Olympics, Crazy. which uh, is really 
crazy to say out loud. Yes, I agree with you on that. Let's talk about our overage players because what happened with whoever runs the Olympics or I don't know if it's FIFA. I don't know who who the governing body uh, with regard to this competition initially, or at least the last two Olympics, you could have 23 players. Now they're rolling it back to what it was when Chuck was still playing. You could only have 18 and, and you can of course name some alternates if anybody gets hurt, but three of those 18 can be over age, over the age of 23. They could be, they could be Jesse Marsh could come out and play. It doesn't even matter. You can go out uh, and get whoever you want to, to join it. However, clubs aren't, they don't have to release their players. It's not like a, a proper World Cup or, or an international break where, where they're expected to release their players. Clubs don't have to do it. So I think MLS players should come into the consideration because I'm sure MLS players, that conversation will be a lot easier to get players released for that. Or at least that's what well, I'm Jimmy, thinking in my head. I think what? an impor- important context in that is it is a youth tournament because you're putting your, you're allowing your players to go there for the potential investment that a club might make in that player. That's so that's a great, MLS that's great. is a selling league. So as a selling league, if the U S Olympic coach says, I want your player to be a part of my squad, he's going to play. Then the, the, the simple answer is go ahead. Cause you're giving, you're allowing your player to play on the international stage to, to ba- basically increase his value. So why? Yeah. Right. You? Right. And, and that right. happens with a lot of players who are, let's say Gio Reyna is still playing, not playing at Dortmund wants to move away. Well, is Dortmund going to say, no, he can't go to that? They're going to say, go ahead. Because then th- then if you have a great tournament, they can sell you for more money, right? So that's, it works in, in, in that way uh, for the most part. What's interesting too, and I, I love that ad, right? You could go there, you could perform well, and maybe it raises your value by 5, 10 million or whatever it may be based on how you perform. Neymar, I'm going to use him as an example. He really wanted to play in the Olympics in, in 2016 in Brazil. And so... His club didn't want to let him go, but it meant something to him. I really think the Olympics matter probably or feels like more for the players than the clubs at times. And Jesse, you could probably speak to that uh, a little bit. But but this is a huge opportunity for us and for our players to cut their teeth in high-pressure situations, which is what we want as we continue to grow our player pool. Any overage player, Jesse, for you? And, and obviously, any comments you want to make about the Olympics overall? Yeah, I mean, I have a few thoughts about this. So I... I- you know, I have guys that I would love to see on the team, but they're playing in Europe. And let me give you a little bit of perspective of how things are thought about in Europe. When I took over Leipzig, it was the year of the Euros and the year of the Olympics. And I had Danny Olmo on my team. And Danny asked me, he wanted to play, he was playing for Spain. He wanted to play in both the Euros and in the Olympics. And, you know, when you look at Spain in a tournament and, and whether the youth tournaments or the, 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 the highest level tournaments, you're always thinking, okay, they, they have potential to get to the final, but probably for sure the semifinal. So when I looked at then Danny's uh, overall commitment, if he wanted to do both, basically over a eight week period, he was only going to be free for four days. And then he, he wanted to go so badly that he wanted to come directly to camp after the Olympics. And normally we give three weeks off in Europe after any major tournament for players mm-hmm. to have time off, have a vacation, enjoy some free time, because often it's the only time they have all year. So reluctantly and against the club's wish- wishes when I was at Leipzig, I allowed Danny to play in the Olympics. And I did it because I wanted to invest in our relationship long term and, and, and show him that I wanted to support him in a big way. But he came back. I gave him a week off after the Olympics. I think they went to the semifinal in both. Um, And then when he came back to training, he got hurt 
two weeks later. And in my time in Leipzig, I think he only played 20 minutes for me. He hardly ever played. And this was a factor in how, how, how the team performed. And wait, so, wait, 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 Jesse, do you, do you regret letting him go now? I do regret letting him go. I do. And it was like his dream to play in the Olympics. Right. But I think in the end, his commit, you know, these players, I think Danny Olmo is getting paid 5 million, 6 million by, by Leipzig a year. And, and his commitment to the team is the most, and the club is the most important thing. And, and I, I, at that moment, I let the team down and I let the club down by allowing him to do that. So if I had to go back and do it again, I think it was a mistake. I would have, I would have said, sorry, Danny, I know it's your dream, but you have to choose between the Euros and the Olympics. And, so and the Euros is, is a competition that he'd have to go no matter what. Yeah, I mean, FIFA. maybe, but but if if your dream is truly to go to the Olympics, then and Euros, you could probably visit to going right, again, right. you know. But you know, it's always difficult for players to manage this, clubs to manage this, coaches, the whole the whole bit. So, you know, when I when I thought about our Olympic team, the guy I would love to see the most in the middle of it all is Tyler Adams because I think you know he's a real leader. He could help push the team. But I don't think it's best for him, especially coming off of injury, to to now right. be trying to commit to two tournaments in one summer, and he needs to limit his his overall uh, time and training because he, he can be injury prone. So then I I thought about all right, which guys do I think? What is necessary when you bring an overage player? Well, you need some experience, but I think you need also need real leaders, someone that can bring the team together, someone that can that all the the young players in the team can look up to that they like, but they see the way they train, they see their mentality. And then I thought of Aaron Long, and I think Aaron Long will probably not be in consideration for Copa America. Maybe he'll be right on the bubble, so depending on injuries and who's available and everything else. But he's still a guy with some international experience. 31 years old is is not so old that he starts to put, push himself outside of, of what is the highest level of performance. And if you know Aaron Long, the one thing about him is he loves being in a team. He loves being a leader. He loves engaging the entire group. And I think when you have a team like the Olympic team, that's not a real team that's coming together in a short amount of time. You need not just a quality uh, overage player that that they can look to as in terms of what he can deliver from a p- performance perspective on the pitch, but you also need somebody that in the group is a real galvanizer, that, that loves to be around the team and can really bring the spirit together so that gives them the best chance to perform. Form. So that would be the guy. That would be the guy I'd be thinking about. Yeah, what's interesting, and I'm glad you brought up a center back because I feel like the U23s are pretty thin in that particular area, which is why I think this is a really important camp for Miles Robinson and potentially James Sands as well, who have shown they can play in that position, they can hold their own. But I don't know if either one of those is the type of leader that you're describing. So I'm kind of curious as to which one can step up. And this is a big camp for them to demonstrate that they can have that type of leadership and can galvanize a group and help a team work through adversity on the fields when things maybe aren't going well. How do you smooth things out? How do you regain control of the game and all that good stuff? So so my vote would be someone in the center back position, Miles Robinson or James Sands. How about you, Chuck Davies? So when I look at this Olympic group, uh, their, their strength is in the midfield. They have a number of players from the U20 World Cup team to players who are playing in MLS, um, even guys like Tanner Tessman, uh, who who are playing in Italy, has played in Syria, now playing in Serie B, have a, a ton of experience. Who are seasoned vets? Kind of kind of reminds me of of when I was coming up uh, under twenty threes. That our midfield was was a strength. We had a number of of seasoned vets, and I look at this group, and I'm really impressed with the the depth that they have in the midfield. 
Josh Atencio, Jack McGlynn, Diego Luna, Gianluca Busio, uh, Ben Hakramaski, Paxton Aronson, Tanner Tessman, Aiden Morris, Obed Vargas. So I, I, you don't, for me, you don't need, because typically you look at the spine of the group, you say, okay, where can we add the three overage players? The midfield, I don't think they need an overage player. Now, center back is the weakest in the this pool. And so in my mind, you could bring two center backs, uh, overage players. And the third would probably be a striker because you love what you've seen in terms of, uh, the, the options. If you, if you have Balogun and Pepe who are both age eligible, but like Jesse said, if you're playing and you're a big part of the team, Balogun's not going to be allowed to leave because he'll, he'll say, okay, you got Copa America. You're not playing in both. Ricardo Pepe's an interesting one because if he's not going to be a starter, per se, for Copa America. He's not going to start with two strikers and him and Balogun, or he's not really, you know, alternating games between Balogun if Balogun's form had dropped off or he becomes injured. Maybe there's a scenario where you say, we're not going to bring Pepe to Copa America because we want him to start and lead the line in in the Olympics. Uh, But, I mean, Josh Sargent would probably be the guy that I'd want uh, because if if you have Pepe and Balogun, you're only playing one striker, then maybe Josh Sargent would be the perfect guy to bring in as an overage striker in this group. But uh, I think when it comes down to the center backs, I'm looking at Mark McKenzie and Austin Trusty because Austin Trusty is, is a left play, a left footed center back. We don't have too many left footed center backs. So uh, someone who earned a hell of a lot of minutes and respect in the championship last season with Birmingham. I, I spoke to all the Arsenal players, including Arteta and, and Odegaard in the summer when they came over to DC United for the wow, All-Star easy game. Easy on the flex, dude. And, on. And, and, and they were really <laughs> impressed. Uh, I, they were impressed with Trusty. They're like, he looks like a different player this time around in training. He's, 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 he's holding up. He's not standing up being like, Oh, this player's way off the pace. So, they were really impressed with Trusty. They, they thought there was a chance that maybe he doesn't leave. Uh, he ultimately left for Sheffield uh, United, and I don't blame him because he's he left for a chance to play, and he's getting consistent minutes with Sheffield. So um, in terms of a long-term play, I mean, Trusty's 23 years old. Uh, Mark McKenzie is is just aged out. I think he's twenty. He's going to be 24. So um, I think those are two players that, that fit the dy- dynamic because you also want – the overage players to not feel out of place because you don't want them to be, you know, oh, it's almost like, I, I don't get how you guys are vibing. You know, like it, mm-hmm. you want someone who's like still feels like part of the group and guys will look up to yet, you know, they still have a future potentially with the U.S. men's national team. So I, I like the the two center backs and maybe a striker for the three overage players and and McKenzie and Trusty uh, would be the probably the two center backs that I looked up to because I don't think Chris Richards and Miles Robinson would be allowed to to leave. Bonus content for you. We asked for one. Chuck gave us three names. You love to see it. That's why you like and subscribe. Call it what you want. We're going to take <laughs> our next break of the show. When we come back, we're going to talk about Americans abroad and the performances that they've been getting into since we last had our show. Don't go anywhere. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Branch sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get even softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus 15% off your first order with code Odyssey. So head to B-O-L-L and branch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Guess what? Call it what you want is back. We're talking Americans abroad. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Charlie Davis and Jesse Marsh. And let's get into some notable results for our national team player pool. Norwich 1-1 against Bristol Rovers. Josh Sargent gets the start. Doesn't score this time around, but it's nice to see him healthy and getting valuable minutes. Lance 2-2 versus Monaco in uh, the French Cup. Uh, Monaco ends up winning in penalties. 6-5, Balgan played the full 90 minutes. Way to go, big guy. Empoli losing at home to AC Milan. Christian Pulisic got an assist at the end to Chaka Traore. Amusa came on. Right fresh from being injured. Played the last 20 minutes. That's great news. Sauernatana, a 2-1 loss. They had it till the very end. Juve comes back and wins. McKinney and Wea both start again. Juve two points off the top spot. McKinney, by the way, had a diving header that maybe he wants back. He almost scored. Would have been a fantastic goal. And the West Brom 4-1 over Aldershot in the FA Cup. Daryl DK scored on his return from a ruptured Achilles. He's been out for 9-10 to 10 months. And he comes back and scores. When you see the goal, if you go find the highlight, you can just tell how much it means to him and how excited he was to be healthy and hitting the back of the net. So, Jesse Marsh, coming to you first. Who stood out for you, Americans abroad, in these recent games? Daryl DK. <laughs> good choice. Yeah, so good segue. Really good segue there. I, I, you know, you're right. If you see him score the goal, he he celebrates like it's the World Cup final. And I think just to be back on the pitch and then to score a goal, it was kind of an opportunity where the ball dropped in the box and he hit a volley and it went in, it went in. So it was an opportunistic goal. He played a part in the first three goals, actually. So he he pressed on the on the first goal and, and helped win the ball. And so he was pretty active for ju- being just back and only getting 45 minutes out of the match. I thought he looked a little bit rusty and clumsy at certain moments. And and listen, Daryl DK is not always the most elegant player. He's a player with power and speed and and he likes to run and be in the box and 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 bump guys. So overall, um, I like him. I like his personality. I like that he plays fearless. He goes after games. He's an imperfect player and an imperfect striker, but he's a guy that wills himself into games. And that's basically for 45 minutes. What he really did is 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 you know, he made it very difficult against the center backs that he played against. He was a part of a lot of different buildup moments. The game was a bit open, so it allowed him to run. But it also meant that fitness-wise, it was it was not the easiest game for him. But I would say as a 45 minutes back after 10 months being out, this was a really good first entry into being back in the team. And I think it'll give him confidence. Clearly, he's excited. And, and it'll be fun to watch him continue to, to move forward here in the next weeks and months. Jesse, I'm coming right back to you. Do you feel like he we'll have a chance, a legitimate chance to to break through with our national team, given who we have at striker. I think the depth charts gotten better at striker. Like if you would have asked me before Balogun and maybe nine months ago when he got hurt, I would have said that he would have been uh, a bigger part of the possibilities of players that could, that could contribute. It's gotten tougher. Um, but if he keeps performing, this is always the thing for strikers, right? If you're on the pitch, if you're scoring goals, if you're getting assists, then of course the national team coach has to yep. take a look at you. And West Brom's a good team, you know they they're competing in the championship. The, they have a good coach in Carlos Cordoban, and and you know they they play some good football. So let's see if he keeps performing. I think he has a chance. All right, Chuck, 
How about you? Notable results. If you want to touch upon DK as well as our resident number nine, we wouldn't we wouldn't say no to that. No, I, I mean, I, I couldn't be happier for Daryl DK. You know, I, I've had a, a history with with injuries and setbacks and uh, to see a player overcome, you know, months and months of, of rehab to get back on the pitch, doing what he loves, scoring, scoring a goal and the celebrations. I know what that feels like. I know that moment and what it does for you. And you want more and you're going to push for more. And so now it's, it's to have that, that patience and not thinking you're going to go zero to a hundred that you got to work your way up slowly um, and not get, try and get there too fast to catch up to where you were. Uh, It takes time, but I couldn't be happier for Daryl DK. Um, it's a it's a huge step in the right direction for for him to try and fulfill his potential. We see we saw him score so many goals in the championship uh, initially when he went on loan from from Orlando City. So um, I, I hope uh, that he continues to stay healthy and continues to, to bang him uh, left and right. But uh, the player that I wanted to mention was Timothy Weah. Um, midweek he scored that absolute golazo. Golazo. Uh, Twenty five minutes against uh, Salernitana in the Coppa Italia. And then he came back to play the, the following match in Serie A uh, against Salernitana. And they won 2-1. He played 81 minutes, so he earned a start. 27 of 28 in passing. Accurate, dynamic. Uh, and we all know, to play for Allegri, you have to understand tactics and do what he wants. And I, I love that. He is just so flexible. He's committed to the team. He's committed to what uh, Allegri wants out of that wingback spot. And uh, it just shows the type of player he is. He'll do whatever is asked of him, Um, whether it's right back, left back, which we saw at Lille, whether it's the U.S. Men's National Team playing in a more advanced role in the right wingback and just stretching him with his pace. Uh, I think he's gotten a lot better with his final ball as well as his decision-making. So uh, he's really developing well at Juve. And, and I spoke to him after the Nations League final Jeez, win. another flex guy. No, no. I always said, hey. His Rolodex. Your, your, his Rolodex your, is your, massive. I'm like, you know, your, your father, who's obviously one of the best strikers <laughs> of all time. Like, you have no aspirations to play striker because you know the number nine spot was lacking for a bit and he's like charlie wing spot uh the wing back spot is is the the position i want to play uh at the club level for for my career i think that's where i'll have the most longevity and and i'll be consistent and i i thought wow okay i i didn't see that and here he is excelling at juve and if you can make it at juve in that wing wing back uh, spot you can play anywhere in the world yeah, I mean, I was speaking to George Weah and talking about being the president of Liberia. <laughs> Talk about no Rolodex, Jesse. I know hey, you have George. a good deal. Rolodex as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so I actually want to put a button on that Daryl DK uh, conversation because he's only 23, so he's got plenty of time to get healthy and, and find that consistency that I think we're all talking about. And when he does, uh, I think there's – some lot of promise in his future. For me, I'm going to be Captain Obvious, though, with my American abroad. I'm going with Christian Pulisic. Maybe you've heard of him, everybody. He has been on fire. And in this game against Empoli, uh, 90 minutes, he had an assist there at the very end. He did really well to pick up the ball at the top of the box and, and just waited. He was very patient, doing his slaloming through the defense. Obviously, they were trying to push to get a goal. And he laid off a perfect pass to get finished a uh, first time by Chaka Traore. He's got three goals and four assists in his last eight matches in all competitions. You got to respect that. Seven goals and six assists this season in all competitions for AC Milan. And he has been fantastic. And it really goes to show, speaking about health, 
that when you get health, when you get some trust and belief, uh, that that uh, that can go a long way. And I think Christian Pulisic has proven all the haters. Plus, he had a chip, a chip on his shoulder too, right? He had something to prove to to Chelsea and and everybody that didn't believe in him that he is a fantastic player. And uh, what a what a season he is having. It's really really special. All right, notable fixtures midweek right now. We got Liverpool versus Fulham. That's a League Cup semifinal. Tim Ream's still out with a calf injury. Anthony Robinson will be a big test for him in this particular match. Uh, Milan will be taking on Atalanta in the Copa Italia quarterfinals. You can watch that on Thursday on the Golasso channel. Juve is taking on Frozen None in the same competition on the Golasso channel as well. Those are both 3 p.m. on Thursday. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Jess, I have, a qu- I have a question for both of you. Okay, All right. Go to Jesse first, though. I'm feeling a little pressure. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> so you mentioned Aaron Long as a center back. Uh, if you could, you'd pick him, uh, would you pick another with your your two other spots? Um, I know Matt Miazga is coming off an of MLS Defender of the Year. Would you consider him? Because I, I was thinking, okay, you know, you want some experience, like you said, someone who's a role model, but you also want someone who's still like in touch. You know, not that they're winding down the play, playing days and they can already see the pastures and they're, they're looking at, you know, vacation and what's going to come next. So what would you do with the other two spots? Would you look at a goalkeeper or would you say, you know what? I, I kind of believe in Gaga Sonina to be the, the, the right for guy for this competition. Yeah. I mean, the, the, when I thought about Aaron Long, this is these are I thought about Miazga too. So we talked about someone in the center of the back or the center of the midfield. I think someone in the spine of the team is massively important. You obviously have to look to to round out the team well. So you talked about the midfield and they need a striker, but I think you you want somebody who is going to be readily available because obviously in Europe it's not easy to get players, and even in MLS you'll get some kickback. Uh, depending on how what kind of role they have in the team they're playing on. Uh, you want somebody who really wants to be there. So, I mean, obviously it's the Olympics, but, you know, if you're different players in different situations in their careers and in their lives, the Olympics may not be as strong as an appeal as, as, as for others. And then, yeah, you want somebody who's going to be really connected to the team. That's going to, that's going to be like a leader on the pitch. That's going to be like almost one of the coaches. And I remember Brad Friedel when he was at the Olympics in 2000, we talked about this before, and he was, he was probably around 28, 29 at that point, I think playing at Blackburn. So he was at a massively high level. He really wanted to be there and you could see the impact he had on that group. And so yeah, that's what I'm looking for is, is, again, I said it's not really a team. You're coming together on short notice. The team gets put together and they've got to now be ready to perform. And it's the Olympics and you're representing the country. Like you want to see a team that really pours it out on the pitch. So, yeah, I mean, could could Miazga be uh, fit in that category? I think he could. Could um, – you know, the different strikers, it's, it's, you know, I, I like that you said somebody who's near the age category, but I think you can get older players that are, that are totally into it and, and can be perfect role models and, and have a massive effect because someone, sometimes an older player that's closer to them in the age group, it doesn't make as big an impression on the group as somebody who's a little bit more experienced and still has big personality and shows everybody how important this is. So that's, well- you know, yeah, you want to see a team with personality. With we personality. still have any of those guys right now. Yes, yeah. that's, that's the problem. Like, look at the World Cup roster. It was what average age of twenty three? Right. So it's it's like who who could you bring? There's there's not even a, a a veteran striker who's like even playing consistently that you'd say you know what this guy will, will spark spark the group. You know. Yeah. 
So, so the last three Olympics, we've taken an overage goalkeeper, uh, Guzan, Casey Keller, Brad Friedel. Last three Olympics, we've had an overage center back, Alexi Lalas, Jeff Agus, and Michael Parkhurst with Charlie in 2008. Exactly. Look at Guzan and Parkhurst. They were. But for me, like age. what I really like about Parkhurst and where I, this could lead this conversation is I think you need someone that can slow the game down. Uh, that, that can be a six as well. Uh, not only can they galvanize and make sure they're leading, but, but you can also lead by making that one pass that unlocks pressure, that, that settles the team and can do that consistently. For me, the only name that really stands out in our center back player pool is Tim Ream. Tim Ream is excellent. Excellent. And, and, and from, from my perspective of making that pass or can hit the big switch to, to unlock that. And, and that's not going to Copa and Olympics though. No, I know that. And that's, what's going to be interesting about what, and I'm sure this is the conversation that Greg Berhalter and Marko Micevic, the U23 coach are going to have throughout this camp. Who are you going to take to the Copa America and who's going to fall to me that I can be having at the Olympics? And, and maybe there are one or two players that to your point about if Ricardo Pepe's not going to start in the Copa America, can he then be a guy that we can lean on to start and lead us in the front lines? At Listen, the if you're talking about the guy to slow that you, you mentioned Nagby, uh, I think last time, Jimmy, uh, if you could get Nagby to want to commit to the Olympics, he could be, he could be phenomenal, right? He's so, so good. I really, yeah. he's just, he, he doesn't run. He glides. That's what I love about Darlington Nagby in particular. Yeah. It's a big conversation. Obviously we have plenty of time to continue to talk about it, but we're going to take our next break. When we come back, we're talking transfer news and MLS players leaving to go to Liga MA keys. And how does everybody feel about that? We're going to hear from us. We obviously want to hear from you at some point along the way too, but don't go anywhere. We've got a big conversation coming up next. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Oh, isn't everybody lucky? Call it what you want. We got a lot more to talk about. I'm Jimmy alongside Charlie and Jesse and uh, some transfer news to discuss. We have MLS players, Cade Cowell, yes, and Brandon Vasquez, yes, heading down to Monterey and Chivas, respectively. And uh, what's interesting is that Cade Cowell just got his Mexican passport. He's a dual national. And I don't know if you guys saw this fit that he's wearing. But uh, it doesn't really give off vibes uh, of this is one of the biggest moments in our life. I don't know. I don't know. It's it, this is all if you're, if you're coming out as fit, it's got to be really. Well, which which part of it? He's wearing. I don't know. He's wearing Crocs with socks, which that feels like a oh, tattoo already. That sounds got, like Clint Dempsey got, right there. If you're, with, talk, with you're talking about socks and Crocs, that is Dempsey all day. <laughs> Uh, it reminds me of Serginho Dest wearing uh, a basketball outfit to Messi's retirement or leaving Barcelona. They were just like, I don't know if this really fits the situation, Does but whatever. You know? Does he have the giblets in the, the Crocs? 
I, I, you know what? We got to zoom in, I think, to see for sure. But, but he does have now the possibility of, of representing Mexico and now to play for Chivas, right? Because of the rules that they have in place that uh, only uh, Mexicans are allowed to play for their club. I think he would believe, be, excuse me, the, the first Amer Mexican American to play for Chivas, which would be history in itself and, and very cool for him. So let's just talk about this opportunity, Jesse, having MLS players leave to go play. In, in Liga MX, which for me just feels like them going to Europe, right? You're getting out of your comfort zone or what you've known up up until this point, and you're testing yourself somewhere else. So for me, this is this is a positive to continue to grow as a player, even though they're not guaranteed playing time, which I think they'll be hard pressed for Brandon Vasquez to get significant playing time initially at Monterey, and then the same for Cade Cal at Chivas. I say, why not? You know, I li I like that they're testing themselves and putting themselves in a, in a unique environment and challenging themselves to play at a higher level. Obviously there's always finances involved. And, and the one thing about Liga MX is, is that they have finances there. And so players can make a lot of money. Uh, it's a totally different style of a league. It's a, it's an intelligent league and a, and a league with a lot of technical ability. And those games are not easy and they're often very wide open and the weather is not, you know, you're playing at elevation, you're playing at heat. So there's a lot of variables for what that league is and what it means to the development of a player. But yeah, again, for me, I think each player has to choose his own endeavor. And when players want to try new things and test themselves and take themselves out of their comfort zones and the boundaries of what, what they have felt comfortable in, I, I say power to them, go for it. We're all with you. And then the question is, okay, how does it fit with the U.S. national team? We've, we've done a good job over the past, whatever, six to eight years of retaining a lot of the potential talent that we could lose to Mexico. And this will be a big test, I think. Uh, these are two players that I think will be on the bubble always and, and have potential to explode. They both have talent. They both are mobile and clever around the goal, attacking players, not always easy to find. And certainly if you were to just, if you like, let's just look at being in, in their shoes and you would look at, okay, what's the attacking uh, core for what the U S national team is. And then what is it for Mexico and where's the Mexican national team? Obviously they're always going to ask themselves, what's in my heart? Where, what do I feel? Am I, as a, as a Mexican American, am I more American? Am I more Mexican? And they have to really come to terms with exactly what that means. But just when you look at from a percentage of playing opportunities and the opportunity to maybe start in a world cup, play uh, uh, big minutes in a world cup, establish yourself on a national team stage, Probably at this stage in their career and, and where the national teams are, Mexico might be a better choice. So I, I like I like the move in general. Obviously, I don't like the fact that the U.S. might lose these potential players to, to Mexico. But but I think for them individually, it's it's a great opportunity to test themselves and, and maybe something that could open bigger doors down the road. Well, we're getting a word here from from Ivis, our, our crack research guru who said that Brandon Vasquez and Kate Cow are cap tied to the U.S. men's national team due to the gold cup. So there's no fear of them. Unless okay. they, I don't know. Okay. I don't know if they can file a one-time switch. I don't know. I guess, I guess Ivis, you can follow up on that. So that's, that's maybe not the threat in some capacity, but still, I think what's interesting about this conversation, Chuck, and you mentioned before, MLS is a selling league. Should MLS be worried that we're losing some of our top players, some of our top young players in particular to Mexico? No. <laughs> Uh, okay, cool. Moving on. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Brandon, Brandon Vasquez had been 
it seems to me looking to make that next step in his career, whether it was uh, Europe, which he's expressed uh, actually on uh, the Golazo network on morning footy that he wants to play in Europe. He saw his ambition, but if, if that's not happening, then guess what? You're still going to get a, a massive increase in, in salary and, and go to Monterey, which is a, a team that's second in Liga Amekis. So I, I think for a Brennan Vasquez, it's still a no brainer. If you want to take another step in your career, Monterey to go play in Liga Mekis is is still a, a great step for him. Um and in, in terms of Cade Cowell, he he's he started with the U20 uh US team in the World Cup. Uh still in MLS not consistent with his his final ball or or finishing. You, you he has those intangibles you can't teach, the quickness, the the toughness. You you love those attributes that he has. But in terms of the technique and the quality in those final moments, the composure still needs to to drastically increase to be effective with with the U.S. Men's National Team first team. And so, uh, again, from San Jose to go to Chivas, massive step. So, uh, I'm all for players taking steps to to get better to to help push them in competition and, and training every day. Uh, Chicharito is also uh, rumored to be heading to Chivas as well. So he'd, massive, he'd be, massive steps, a big, big claim. I mean, I know the environment wait, Chivas the earthquake in San Jose. That's not a massive step. Chivas. I, mean, I, I think, I think it is in, in, in a lot of the intangibles, the, the, the pressure is going to be obviously a lot different, right? If you're walking around San Jose and you lost, Probably not that big of a deal, but if you you know you lose the Club America and you're walking around where where you know Chivas in Guadalajara, yeah, you're going to be under it, you know. And there's a different type of pressure. So yes, there's a lot of different ways it's massive. I'm I'm on the field. Do you think it's that big of a step? Yes. I don't I don't necessarily yes, watch Chivas Guadalajara and think, God damn, those guys are amazing. You know, I mean no, they but, they, but they have some the players. There are moments where they're good. What's that? I think. Do you think the opposite when you look at San Jose? No, I don't think the opposite. Like, oh. I don't think the opposite. No, no, no. I don't look at the Quakes and go. Okay, uh, they're awesome, uh, right. you know, but but they're working towards building something, obviously, under Luchi Gonzalez. I'm just saying that I don't think there's – the level doesn't seem as big of a gap as maybe it once was, but in terms of everything else around it and in and, and terms of the growth of that pressure and those expectations and having to perform maybe at a level where he could feel comfortable knowing I'll probably get to play kind of regularly with San Jose because we maybe don't have the depth because we don't have the salary cap, or he doesn't know that, or maybe he does, but – that's not really his decision making, but but there's going to be more competition for spots, I think, with Chivas. So again, that that's another intangible. But in terms of the level, I think I don't know. This is a this is a probably a whole separate yeah. podcast. I, I, I look at it more as like a stylistically, what is it going to be like? Because the the league in in Mexico is very different than what it is in in MLS. But I, I think. He, he plays with power. He plays with aggressiveness. Yeah, he's a little bit reckless at times and like not raw, always right? perf- perfectly the technical player. Yeah, he can be a little bit raw. But for me, when I get young players, those are the kind of guys that I that I love to get. And those are the guys kind of guys that I love to work with because I think I can really improve their abilities, their intelligence, you know, and, and you can see that the ma- upside is massive. So that's I've always, why, even when he was Jesse, 16, Jesse, that, that's what you did with early in Holland, right? I yeah, mean, that's, I mean, there's no, a lot who, of guys who, who is one player that you got <laughs> to take full that had those him. type of attributes, Jesse, that you thought, you know what? I, he's raw, but damn, he's, he's got, he's got a lot of things that you can't teach. I mean, there were a lot of those, you know, Erling was one of those guys. Uh, he Chan Wong, 
Um, we had Benji Sheshko, the Slovenian that's now at Leipzig, Kareem Adeyemi, who's now at Dortmund, yeah, all one. guys with power and speed. But when you first saw them, and you, if you put them through a passing exercise, you would think this is not a professional footballer. But then as, as time goes on, and now you see how they can apply their power and speed and strength, and you can give them clues as how to maximize what their potential could be, then you start to really have some fun. Right now you have something to work with and, and day after day, you really see maturity and you see development. And that's why when I saw Cade Cowell at 16, I was like, wow, I even he at New York Red Bulls when he was young, we were, I was asking, can we get this kid here? What, how, what can we do to bring him into what we think about football and see if we can help him mature? So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it will be, it will be a, a, a good test for him to see if he can understand culturally how the league works, how that, how important that club is. But then I think his, uh, the potential for him to go on the pitch and play against some smaller given intelligent uh, Mexican defenders, but to use his power and speed to see how he can create advantages. I think it'll be really interesting to see how this works out. Well, I, I, yeah. I actually thought that Chuck was winning on the yes. flex department, but uh, I believe that Jesse has taken the lead here with uh, these, all these names that are being dropped. So, so fair play to, to Jesse for taking the lead there. I'll, I'll he Chan Wong. Yeah, Chan Wong. He Chan, one. I said, okay, that game like, over. It. Game over. Game, <laughs> yeah. set, match. Jesse Marsh here. Also, official announcement. Georgie Mihalovic has officially signed for the Colorado Rapids. Chris Armas making some moves, getting Mihalovic yeah. and Zach Steffen into the team, which is going to bolster their chances of having some success Almost, that's a guarantee, but it puts them in the right direction. All right, we're going to take our last break of Call It What You Want. When we come back, we got our final thoughts, so don't go anywhere. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to Call it What You Want. We've got our final thoughts here. I'm Jimmy with Jesse and Charlie, and we unfortunately have some incredibly sad news with Franz Beckenbauer, known as De Kaiser in Germany, dying at the age of 78. He won the 1978 World Cup with West Germany as a player. He won the 90 World Cup with West Germany as a head coach. He's a two-time ball on door winner. He won three European Cups, also known as the Champions League, with Bayern, 74, 75, 76, back-to-back. Incredible, won four Bundesliga titles with Bayern as well. He played in the NASL with the New York Cosmos from 1976 to 1984 seasons, trying to grow the game here in the States. And we thank him for that, for all of his contributions to the sport. This guy is an absolute legend. I once was coached by Bob Gansler, who's our 1990 World World Cup coach here for the U.S. in Kansas City. And I had a game where I was just on fire. Now, now I I was bringing everything down in the back, and I was dribbling out of tough situations and making it look super easy. And I got the compliment of all compliments when Bob Gansler, who has German background, Austrian background, and, and loved Franz Beckenbauer, he, he compared me to Der Kaiser. And it was still one of the big thrills. That, uh, and, and I should say, Bob Gansler doesn't just throw out compliments like that. So 
I took that one to heart and it was a special, special game for me. And, and I don't think I ever played as well since. <laughs> so <laughs> but, now you're name uh, dropping. Okay. I yeah, am. That, well, yeah. But, okay. I think I'm, that's I, why I, I'm thankfully Bob doesn't game. coach anymore. If that's the kind of <laughs> moniker he's handing out to Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. But, uh, but, but back to Franz Beckenbauer, uh, you've been around Jesse for a really long time. Thankfully somebody is older than me on this podcast and, uh, I doubt it. <laughs> what, what are you saying, uh, about Franz and his impact on the game? Yeah. The, the two Germans that I, when I grew up, that I worshipped the most were Franz Beckenbauer and Rudy Voller. And I had a chance to meet both of them in my time in Germany. And the one thing I'll say about Franz Beckenbauer is when you go to any country, right, there's history of the game. And then there's opinions around what the history of the game was and, and what players were like. And, and Franz Beckenbauer was the one person that no matter who you spoke to in Germany, had nothing but glowing things to say about the player he was, about the person, about the coach, about the manager. Um, and he just carried himself with class. And when you were kind of in his space, you could feel his greatness. So obviously this is a big loss for, I think, the football world, for German football world, for sure. Um, this will be a morning in that country. Um, and somebody who I think is loved, more than anyone else in the game inside inside Deutschland. So um, I would say uh, what an incredible um, player and person, and and I was honored to meet him, and um, he will be he will be missed certainly in Germany, but I think worldwide he will be someone who in the game played such a big role and will be dearly missed. Yeah, very well said, and and uh, yeah, I, I'm curious to see how much outpouring and love and support they're going to be of Franz Beckenbauer, given how much impact he had on the game, not only in Germany, but around the world. So we're going to call it here. End of the show. Call it what you want, though. This particular show feels like name drop what you want or flex what you want. That's what we're going to start calling it from here on out. But make sure you drop us a follow wherever you get your podcast. Take a few seconds, if you wouldn't mind, to leave us a rating. And hopefully it's a really good one. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, a review, that would be fantastic. And catch us on the CBS Sports Golasso Network. So thank you again for all of your support. We'll see you next time. Later. You deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. Is far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.